There's a snap. There's a kick. It is up. It is. No good. No one missed. I think we got a heck of a shot of winning. We beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. Eli Manning stays on his feet. Airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. For all you non-believers, disrespect us. Talk crap about the defense like we ain't the third best defense in the league. See you in Pittsburgh. Can't wait. Fitzpatrick. And so, Eric Decker holds it in. The Jets win in overtime. And the New York Giants, given last rights by many in December, are the Super Bowl champs in February. This is NFL Friday. Going long on all news, reaction, and game picks for the Giants, Jets, and across the NFL on WFUV Sports. Well, you heard a lot of iconic audio clips in that intro. Intro. A lot of Super Bowls being decided in that introduction. Most recently, the Giants in 2011. You heard the Al Michaels clip there. And it's kind of crazy to think that We're just on that horizon. We had the Super Bowl matchup set for Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas. We all collectively can't wait. It's the Chiefs and the 49ers playing for the Lombardi Trophy next Sunday. We'll unpack all of that and and the games that led into it. But for now, welcome to NFL Friday. I'm Brian Raybax. Today, I'm joined alongside Bridge Gotham and Sebastian Seabach. Guys, Super Bowl is right here. It's kind of crazy. This NFL season feels like it started yesterday, and next week it's all over. A little bittersweet because the season's ending, but it's Super Bowl season. How are we feeling? Oh, super pumped. And you mentioned it, you know, when you hear that NFL Friday, that iconic intro that we've come to love, you know, going along on all things Giants, Jets, and around the league, right? Well, you know it's the Super Bowl when we're no longer going long on the Giants and the Jets. You know when we're—I hate to you say didn't it, have to go there. Oh, it's been a while, and it and it pains us to say whether you're Giants, Jets, or anything else. But matchup is set. Of course, the Chiefs are playing the 49ers. A bit of a rematch from four years ago. A lot of parallels there. So we're excited to get into that. But you know, you—how can you not be excited about the Super Bowl? No, I think you know this is the thing we look forward to each year. Who's who's going to have those Super Bowl aspirations? And unfortunately, it's not the Giants. Or the Jets this year, not even close. Unfortunately, they have they have some work to do over the off season. But it's definitely an exciting uh, time, as always. Probably the most watched thing on television each year. Um, and yeah, it's it's oh, it's going to be a blast. You know, watching Patrick Mahomes going against Mister Irrelevant. So definitely very excited. There's a lot of fun stories to dive into with this Super Bowl. You mentioned one of them, Patrick Mahomes just the pinnacle of the league in terms of playing quarterback. He's going up against the very last pick in the draft last year in Brock Purdy. So it's a really interesting dynamic between the Chiefs and the Niners. But both of these teams, they did have a road to get there. And those took place last Sunday in the conference championship games. We'll start with Kansas City with a 17-10 win over the Baltimore Ravens. The Chiefs go to the bank and they take care of business. They win two road playoff games to get the, to the Super Bowl and punch their ticket. And here, it, it was a close game throughout, but the Chiefs kind of had a commanding lead. But the Ravens, they had chances to get back into it, and they kind of just shot themselves in the foot at every single corner, whether it be the Zay Flowers fumble 
into the end zone at the one-yard line. Or the Lamar Jackson terrible interception in the end zone where he just chucks it up almost blindly in a triple. Coverage, just another tough playoff performance for these Baltimore Ravens and another scenario of the Chiefs finding a way and punching their ticket once again to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, the Chiefs are still the Chiefs, and you know it's hard to believe just because they were mediocre by their standards. Yeah, 11-6. and six winning their division. They looked great this year by most teams' standards. I think the Giants and Jets would love an 11-6 and season. But for the Chiefs' standards, you know, they're used to winning 12, 13, 14 games, right? They had some tough games as well, some questionable losses throughout their season. I was mentioning one before we got on the air, right? Travis Kelsey, I had him in fantasy this year, and his production, you know, wasn't as high as it normally is. But once we got into the playoffs, all that changed. Travis Kelsey turned it up. Patrick Mahomes turned it up. We saw that in this game, Kelsey catching uh, a touchdown. Isaiah Pacheco has been a monster for the Chiefs, has been such a great back. What a steal he was uh, in the draft a couple years ago. He got in the seventh round. I think people forget that. Um, So, you know, it's not just all about Mahomes, right, the general manager. That whole organization is building something special. And for Baltimore, yeah, it's really tough, you know, to have a home game there. Again, the Chiefs, we were talking about this, their first time going on the road this playoffs. They went against Buffalo uh, and now and now against Baltimore. But before that, Patrick Mahomes had never played a road playoff game. That's how good the Chiefs had been. And despite all that, they took care of business. The Ravens made some awful, awful errors. They had all the opportunities in the world to not just get back in this game, but to win it. I mean, you see the final score. It's 17 to 10. It's a one-score game. Oh, that's so frustrating for the Ravens, man. Well, I think, you know, the Chiefs were definitely not the best team in the AFC this year. No no question whatsoever. The Ravens were definitely better than them, and they really have to be kicking themselves right now because at the end of the day, the Chiefs won because they do the little things, right? And one of them is discipline. The The Ravens overall, you remember when Zay Flowers made the 54-yard catch and they got backed up 20 yards because of unsportsmanlike conduct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, about that's, that. so, yeah, that's that thing. And then there was a sack earlier in the game where there was a little uh, commotion between Travis Kelsey and another player, and then the Chiefs got a first down. So it's little things like that, and that also comes for, from experience, and that's where the Chiefs excelled in. Also, another thing was the turnovers. The Chiefs did not turn over the ball the entire game, and the Ravens committed three turnovers. And that was basically the difference in the game, one score a game. And unfortunately, it cost it cost the Ravens the season. Kind of a disappointing way for them to go out. And the Chiefs' defense, man, every they they've really stepped up all season long, especially when the offense hasn't been there. But because the offense has not made too many flaws, as we've seen early, like the fat past few weeks leading into the playoffs, that's why they're in the Super Bowl right now. Well, the Chiefs' defense did a really nice job of forcing some key key turnovers. I mean, you look at. The Zay Flowers fumble, like that, could have changed the whole That's game. That's the game right there. That's literally he You're fumbles at the one the yard line, zone. going into the end zone. Yeah, they lose by seven. People complain about that rule. I don't know the whole well, touchback. Well, rule, there, but like that's it, not even. It's not even that. That like rule. that's the player's fault. No, but that's what I mean. Because the Chiefs were covered in the end zone. That's yeah. right. But like in general, that whole rule of you fumble the ball. Let's say the one, it goes into the end zone and then rolls out of bounds. Right, and that's a touchback. I don't know. I don't have a huge problem with that rule. Don't fumble it. I think it's a stupid. It's a really so, stupid. Okay, rule. well, tell me what should the rule be? Let's say it goes in the end zone. What do you do? They get the ball at the <laughs> one. You're putting, you're putting the it at the one. You're putting it at the one. The team that fumbled should get it back at like the ten. At the 10. I would say. Uh, okay, well, basically, the current rule is if it stays in the end zone and no one touches it, then you get it at the one-yard line. If it fumble, if you fumble it before yeah, it no, goes, goes, imagine it goes out of bounds, no, no goes out of, goes out of bounds. if it goes out of bounds, it's a touchback. Yeah. So either grab it before it goes out of bounds or 
grabbing yeah, the end it's, zone. It's it, I guess, yeah, it's tough. There's no real solution to it. I, it's definitely a frustrating rule, but even so, like I guess that doesn't really apply in this case. Uh, the Chiefs did jump on it, but they did. And then you look at Lamar Jackson. I mean, the MVP, awesome. presumably. Yeah, deserves it. Of course. Regular season award and great regular season. Great but... regular season. Played very well against the Houston Texans, too, but... Not in the first half. In a game where he really needed to show up. And he had, he had moments where he did, hmm. but just the crucial... The crucial... Pit, the interception at the end, yeah. where he's just trying to force it down the field. And I get it, but... The triple coverage that he's yeah, just triple. chucking that ball into, it's just, it's only going to further the narrative that Lamar Jackson can't find a way to win in the postseason. And once again, the Ravens, they were right on the on the precipice of going to the Super Bowl like they've been for the past couple of years, but now it's just, once again, they're falling flat. But, but here's where I don't understand. So the Ravens this game, for whatever reason, decided to throw the ball with Lamar Jackson's Jackson for him to stand in the pocket 82% of the time and yeah. during the year they ran the ball at least over 60% of the time I so I don't know what that game plan changed right there when you have the Nelson Aguilar or washed Odell Beckham as a receiver or with Zay Flowers as your best guy who you know he's still coming on he's a young guy but you know I think you know the whole offensive strategy was was flawed and it really just showed because they, they didn't have a lot working offensively. Not at all. I think it's hilarious when you look at their rushing stats in the game. Lamar Jackson did lead them w- in rushing, and that's not the most unorthodox thing to happen. Lamar Jackson does scramble quite a bit, but uh, the second most leading rusher for the Ravens, Gus Edwards, three carries for 20 yards? Are you yeah. kidding this me? Is a, this is a guy who had 200 carries yeah. on the year. And he Gus scored, Edwards has been a month. Scored, they called him the Gus Bump. He, he scored 13 times as well. And also, three carries? Wasn't, like, it, wasn't it raining too? You think you'd lean a little more on the run game I mean, with the weather? Are you serious? Three, you give the ball to your lead running back three times. That doesn't make any I, it sense. Does, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Lamar it's, throws it 37 times. Like That's just not who he is. And you don't have a 1,000-yard receiver in your team too. No. Yeah, Odell's not that guy anymore. Zay Flowers, I mean, he had a great year and had a had a very nice game outside of the fumble. Nelson Aguilar, like, there's still some, like, reasons to be kind of like, this Ravens team needs improvement. And Lamar Jackson, he he's a great quarterback, but the supporting cast still can get better. And, yeah, signing Odell to... A contract where he's getting paid almost twenty million a year. Like, was that that smart? Probably not. Mm. And they got Lamar or not Lamar. They got Mark Andrews back for this game too. But yeah. obviously, yeah. coming off not of the really, injury, he yeah, was kind really of a non-factor. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But again, players coming off of injury in the playoffs. Like, how often has it worked out where you know players coming off of injury haven't played, let's say, at least eight weeks during the regular season off a huge injury, come back for the playoffs? How effective do you think they would yeah. actually be? Like, I mean, I can't think of an like, example off the top like of my off, head. Off the top of my head, I have an example for you. You look at the Tennessee Titans as the number one seed in the 2022 playoffs. They're playing the Cincinnati Bengals, right? They ran the ball Derek to Derrick Henry. Henry. They ran yeah, the ball to Derrick Henry. Yeah. They, ran, they ran it twice with him on a fourth and one situation and a two-point conversion, and he couldn't get one yard. Yeah. Couldn't get one yard. Yeah, and then their, back, their, their for, backup running yeah. back, Deontay Foreman, had a 35-yard carry. Yeah. So... Because I mean, he'd been playing. He's, uh, again, yeah, you know, it, as it effect, always takes as some games to get back into it. Yeah. As as effective as they are, injuries take time. Mm. Injuries take time, and unfortunately, with the playoffs, Mark Andrews coming back. Yes, he's a huge factor, but with the way Isaiah likely has been 
playing over the past few weeks, they should have leaned on him a little bit more. And I, I agree with that. Yeah, Isaiah likely had been a big part of their game plan for the t- tail end of the season and just was not really involved in this past Sunday's game. But you have yeah. to give credit to the Chiefs. They are who they say they are, and Mahomes always seems to show up when the moments shine brightest. He's always throwing for a good amount of yards, completing a handful of his passes, 30 for 39, good completion percentage, and just getting out of sacks too. I mean, that one sack that he was somehow able to like bend his way out of when he's falling to the ground, you know what I'm talking about? Just a really, really standout performance again from Mahomes. And how about Travis Kelsey? Listen, I know I know a lot of people he's not the most popular guy in the room at the moment given the other some other things hysteria yeah. that surrounds him, but he's also, still listen, not a great regular season for Travis Kelsey's standards, but playoffs been a monster. Hundred and eleven yards, hundred and sixteen yards on eleven receptions and a touchdown grab too. He set the all time record for Playoff receptions, like, this guy's a monster. He continues to do it just every single step of the way. Yeah, don't forget that 10 of those came in the first half as well. Yeah. Like 10, 10, 102 yards in the first half. I mean, but at the same time, you know, the Chiefs had already built a comfortable place where they put pressure on the Ravens to execute later on in the game. And how about the way the Chiefs ended this game, right? They they have the ball, they're up seven, and, you know, they're running the ball, right, to kill the clock, and Baltimore has to use all three of their timeouts, so then— you know, Kansas City's in a third and nine where essentially, all right, if they don't convert it, they're going to have to punt back to the Ravens. The Ravens will have a chance to tie it. And instead of running the ball and killing some clock, Patrick Mahomes drops back, sends it 32 yards, Marquez Valdez-Scantley. MBS. Yeah, to seal the game. I mean, what a great play call. You know, that's a ballsy play call, and it really paid off for him. That sealed the game. And if you're Baltimore, that's just devastating, right? I think if I'm a Baltimore fan, I fully expect third and nine going into the two-minute warning yeah, they're probably just going to run it. Like, no no way that or if they pass it, they'll, they're not going to send it deep shot, not take a risk like that. You feel like you can get the ball back. Nope, nope, nope. Chiefs win this game, and they're going back to the Super Bowl. It just seems like every year. feels like they're the new Patriots. And fans are always going to want to point to the refs, especially with the Chiefs involved. And I don't know. I'm curious. Did you think there was any calls that really like went in the Chiefs' favor? Because there was a lot of roughing the passers that yeah. the Baltimore crowd hated. But then you saw the replay, and it's like, oh, that's obviously roughing the passer. Like, yeah. So I thought I saw that as a complaint a lot. That uh, the refs they needed the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl for <laughs> Taylor Swift reasons. Yeah. I don't know. Was that a factor? Nothing off the top of my head specifically. Yeah, I I, like everything thinking like thinking about this. Right, the Ravens definitely did not play well enough in my mind to say that you know the refs actually had an impact in this game. It's not like they turned it over. Yeah, they 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 lost the game. It's not like the Saints Rams pass interference game where that undeniably changed the outcome of the game. The, The the Ravens played like crap the entire game, and you know what? Like you know the refs they they probably did have a few blown calls in there, but the same time the Ravens didn't show up when it mattered and the Ravens window it might be closing a little bit they've had Lamar for a number of years now and at a certain point like the window it doesn't stay open forever you're seeing Mm -hmm. those kind of concerns come up with not only Baltimore but the Buffalo Bills too how long is that window going to be open but the Ravens also had the number one seed like twice in the past yeah. five years yes. as well. They, they've had their chances had. to really mm-hmm. capitalize, but it's the Chiefs representing the AFC once again. We'll move to the NFC, and 
I mean, you're talking about windows closing, how long is windows going to be open? I think when you look at the Detroit Lions, mm. their window is going to be open for a couple of years, but they don't end up coming out on top. It's the 49ers getting a 34-31 come from behind win over Detroit. It really looked like for a while that the Lions were going to pull this off 24-7 at halftime. They looked like they were really in control of this game, and then all of a sudden just the 49ers take over with 27 unanswered points. Guys, it was a fun story for the Lions, but the better team in the Niners ended up coming out on top. Yeah, this I think this is the most frustrated I've been at a game that didn't feature a team I'm rooting for, like a non-Giants game. Like I was legitimately like upset when the the way the Lions lost this game for a couple reasons. Number one, yeah. obviously the historical precedence of this game, the Lions being the sorry franchise that they are and that they've, you know, what a great story with Dan Campbell, right? His first year they start 0-8 or whatever. They've built it up year by year, and now they're in the playoffs. They have watch parties at Ford Field, you know, when they're on the road. Like, it's this really great story, and you're like, man, how awesome would it be if they went to the Super Bowl? Right? We feel like we get the Niners every year. Um, so that's the first reason. The second reason, just as a football fan, you know, it's frustrating to watch a team go up 24-7 and then just watch that lead melt away yep. the way that it did. And there has been a lot of discourse. I think we'll get into some of the, the specifics. But, you know, regarding the some of the fourth down calls by Dan Campbell, and I'll say first off, I don't actually disagree with those those play calls. I just think they should have been executed better. I mean, there were a couple drops there by Dan Campbell. Uh, not by Dan Campbell, but, you know. <laughs> Josh Reynolds. Yes, by Josh Reynolds. Oh, there were some bad drops But, like, my Josh point Reynolds. is that, yeah. like, people are saying, you know, they're blaming Dan Campbell. I'm like, the whole reason why the Lions are where they are is because of how risky they've been all year. And, yes, taking the point, I think, especially when it was 27-24 to tie it up yeah. definitely would have been the right move. But I did see a statistic that their kicker from that distance wasn't exactly that great. And it was, I think it was fourth and three, like, I don't know. It, 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 hindsight, it's so easy to look back it's and say really, it was the wrong yeah, call. But I'm like, thing. if they had just picked up that fourth and three on, like, a quick slant or something, like, we wouldn't even the be game, talking. Game, we would have forgotten over. about it. Yeah. The game's over. Yeah. It's just... I don't know. I will say this. San Francisco, you mentioned they're the better team, and they did come out on top. Um, but, man, a Lions-Chiefs Super Bowl, that's what I was kind of picturing at halftime of this game. That would have been such a good story. Wouldn't I feel like the good guys versus the bad guys. Really, yeah. I, I just, mean, I, I would have been all for that. Yeah. And now it's just kind of a matchup where it's yeah, kind of two yeah. teams that— Two great not, teams. Not be a great lot, game. Two but, yeah, great teams. But it's but like I, I definitely— People aren't really Selfishly, especially, I think, for us going. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, Lions. You know, that, especially you know their fans. The Lions would have brought such a buzz <sighs> to them. I mean, you saw their, I mean, you saw a lot of blue patches at the— oh, uh, l- yeah, like lot. they traveled yeah. really like, well. I was really surprised. In Santa Clara, like Lions fans are showing well, out. I mean, it makes sense. Imagine you, your team just does nothing for your entire <laughs> life, and then all of a sudden they do. Like, yeah, I'll spend whatever money I have to go see them. I mean, I saw— For, for two generations. <laughs> no, seriously. I saw the—there was a Warriors game the night before. I think it was Lakers-Warriors, and I saw yeah. there were two Lions fans sitting courtside. I'm like— yeah, they're probably just here for a good time. They they probably came in from Detroit. I'm like, it's just awesomeness. Like, it's a great story. It's really – it reminds me of, like, the Chicago Cubs winning the World Series back in 2016. You know yeah. what I mean? So, obviously, it, it, it's too bad, but um, good for the Niners. Yeah. but I, I So, I kind of disagree a little bit with your opinion on, you know, Dan Campbell and the play call. And while I do understand okay. it, like, the 49ers throughout that game hadn't proved that they, they were able to go down the field. And 
being up three scores at halftime, they kicked the field goal, right? Yeah. So by then, they hadn't proved that they'd be able to score a touchdown consistently. If they had done that on the previous drive, then I'd say 100% go for it. But because they hadn't done that yet, I think the right move for Dan Campbell in that situation would have been to kick the field goal. The other one, fine. I totally get it. Where they turned it over on downs and uh, Jared Goff didn't make a great pass under pressure. Right. Yeah. But yeah, the yeah. first one, the first one where he could have gone up three scores and the Niners did not prove that they could score a touchdown. That's the one play call I disagree with, and that's what I think cost the Lions their season. I mean, I get it, and Greg Olson was saying on the broadcast too that like this is what's gotten the Lions to this point all year is being aggressive, but at the same time, you mentioned them settling for the points at the end of the first half where it was a chip shot field yeah, goal. I was yep. questioning that because I was like, wow, I was, I mean, not question, I was yeah. surprised at that because of you know, what you expect from the Lions, I think that was the right move they made. That was... I think I think there are times where you can take risks, and in a game where it means, where everything just means so much. Every point means every, everything. Yeah, See every the difference point, in the game? It was by a field goal. Every single play, like, I feel like that was not the right moment to really take a gamble. But listen, Dan Campbell owned it. You said he took a gamble, and he lost. And we're sure the Lions will be back next year i mean given what they've done they've gotten to the nfc championship game and just the culture that they've built around dan campbell is great but we will have to give the 49ers their flowers at yeah. some point i mean yep. what what a, what a team this is everyone really since the start of the year has kind of been penciling them in like hey this is the team that's going to just run through the nfl and take it to the super bowl and now here they are with a chance to do it. Christian McCaffrey, he scores a touchdown every single week. Mm-hmm. Two more touchdowns in this game against Detroit, and Debo's awesome. This defense is terrific. Brock Purdy. Kittle making some plays. Kittle making some plays. Brock Purdy, listen, you can have your opinions on him. I, I do too, but at the same time, you do have to kind of acknowledge that, hey. He played well. He's got He's played well, and he's gotten them here. Yeah, call him whatever you want. If I'm one win away from potentially being the quarterback on the Super Bowl winning team, you can you can make fun of me, call me whatever names you want, <laughs> because I'll have the Lombardi Trophy potentially in a couple of weeks. Like I just think that whole game manager label is so funny to me. Like, yeah, whatever, but he's he's doing his job. Wait, oh, he's a game manager. You mean he's helping his team win win games, right? Like I'm I just think that uh, Brock Purdy's done a phenomenal job hanging in there. I mean, they're down 17. You know, making some really good throws. Yeah, he might have got a little bit lucky with that. You know, the, oh, the that, yeah. some of them, yeah. some of them. Yeah, he did. Yeah. But but you know what? Sometimes it's better lucky than good, and he's going to be in the Super Bowl next week, and and it's really cool. Like Mister Irrelevant. Like what a what a good story that is. I don't think the last pick in the draft has ever had this much discourse around him. And then I think the rest of the Niners team, we knew they were built to win. I had him picked. Uh, to win the Super Bowl uh, before the playoffs. I did like a little bracket. I had them beating the Ravens in the Super Bowl. Um, obviously, the Ravens didn't make it, but they did not. I, I, I think San Francisco is uh, they're a really, really good team, and uh, this game this game proved their ability to rally. Well, I think, you know, like because Brian and I, we, we didn't say a lot of great ni- nice things about Brock Purdy as a player last time we were on the podcast no. together. So, but I was pretty impressed by Brock Purdy, especially in the second half against the Lions. The first half, it was like, up oh, here we go again. It's the Green Bay Packers, and mm-hmm. it doesn't matter whether or not he's playing in the rain. But, I mean, is he the main, like, the 100% the reason why the Niners came back? No, but he, he did contribute. And something that he, like, you can argue that, oh, yeah, the Niners went to the uh, the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo. But the Niners also were not 
they the Niners were trailing in this game with Brock Purdy, whereas Jimmy G against the Packers threw eight passes and Raheem Mostert in that game ran for 220 yards. Mm. So Brock Purdy, I think his like his the best thing about him is that he's definitely not the most athletic guy in the field, but he has situational awareness, and I think you saw that with his 54 rushing yards uh, against the Lions and his ability to escape within the pocket and not get sacked, something that he hasn't really done all season, is has has done all season, is not get sacked, and I think that's what makes a difference for the Niners. Brock Purdy has done enough. He certainly has. He might not be the top perennial player on this team, but and you can point to Christian McCaffrey and Debo and Ayuk, George Kittle, the defense. Just a well-oiled machine. Yeah, yeah. Listen, that's my gripe with him as a player, but you do have to acknowledge that he is the quarterback of the team that is going to the Super Bowl out of the NFC. So with the remaining time that we have, let's at least dive into as much of this matchup as we can without necessarily giving our pitch because we want whoever's on the podcast next week to really get a chance to get their takes out there. First of all, in Vegas... I mean, Bridge, you and I will be out there for yes, the radio row, the festivities, mm. week of the Super Bowl. I mean, super pumped, right? You know, whatever happens there stays there. That's <laughs> what they say. <laughs> that's that's absolutely no, right. I, I couldn't be more excited. I you know, thanks to Bobby, Julie, everyone at FUV mm-hmm. for, for the opportunity. I'm super excited to be able to go out there to represent Fordham, to represent the station. And it's a phenomenal opportunity. We're gonna be at Radio Row on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and I believe Saturday, which is Kind of where all the big rate for those that don't know where all the big radio stations go, all the big media will have a chance to speak with a lot of the players for the player media, the coaches, uh, just to be surrounded by a lot of big names and to get FUV's name out there, which you know it's already a very well known station, but to kind of uphold the legacy that so many you know great people before us have and great people after us will. And we were just talking, of course, to Ryan Gregware, uh, yeah, he popped in and gave us a surprise sports visit, manager yeah. of FUV last year, who was uh, who was out in Arizona for the Super Bowl last year. He was giving us some some advice. So yeah, we couldn't be more pumped to go next week. Oh, uh, I I can't wait, Bridge. It's gonna be a lot of fun, and especially when you look at the story surrounding both of these teams, the Chiefs are gonna draw heavy interest, mm. especially with. You know, Mahomes has been there so many times. You have Kelsey with the Taylor Swift factor, and mm-hmm. is she going to be there? Who knows? I've seen too many videos of, well, if her plane leaves, it's like a math problem. It's like, or if her plane leaves Japan at X hours. And yeah, that's the whole thing. Like, it's, <laughs> And they're like, the Japan it's traveling at a velocity ahead. of this, and I'm like, this is like a, a high school math problem. Like, I'm, she's Taylor Swift. She'll be there. It doesn't matter. She'll take a rocket ship if she has to. Yeah. It'll, it'll, bring, it'll bring non-football fans to watch this will just be the, because this is going to be the most watched Super Bowl. I yeah, bet my is, life. Is it going to be the most watched that. Super Bowl? Because I feel I like people so. just watch the Super Bowl. I do, but I it's think, like for I this think, game, you're not trying to drag in like no, non-football fans. But I think I you're like, taking the last little remaining bit of the population that didn't care, and you're bringing them in. I really think yeah. this will because again, there it's just whatever little bit wouldn't have tuned in is you know they're going to tune in now and. I think it's, uh, you know, a lot of fans may not love it, but I do think it's good for the sport and how it grows. Just more eyes on it might be great because while this Taylor thing might not last forever, let's say, uh, you know, for the sake of argument, 10 million new fans come in and, hey, maybe 9 million of them will stop watching when Taylor and this thing stops. But, hey, if you get 1 million new fans, they're like, oh, I, you know, I kind of like this football thing, right? Bringing new fans into the sport is always a really good thing to, to grow the game. And so I think that um, I think only good things will come from this, even if they – 
show her for half a percentage of the the game or you know like one percent like it's like big deal you know well and when you when you take into account stories into this game i mean the chiefs they're the defending super bowl champions they won a couple years prior against the 49ers so really the niners are the one who kind of have a lot to prove here i mean you have a lot of players on that roster that have been great but just have never been able to get that Super Bowl ring. Christian McCaffrey yes. hasn't gotten there. George Kittle, mm. Nick Bosa, Fred Warner. Like there's so many, so many so many names that are really gunning for their first one. So in a in a sense, like the Niners are the dominant, like top team in the NFL, but at the same time, they're still playing for a lot and trying to solidify themselves as that top dog with a Super Bowl ring. So there's a lot on the line for the Niners and I feel like they have a lot more to prove here than Kansas City. Yeah, I think they have way more to prove. You mentioned the Chiefs won it last year. They were in it a few years before that. I, they lost to Tampa, but they they beat the Niners. So the Patrick Mahomes has two Super Bowl titles, and he's going for his third. Um, and people have already started to draw the comparisons. Oh, is he on track to you know be better than Brady? I'm like, it's so early. Like, let, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. But <laughs> if he does win, I mean, he'd be well on his way to you know being one of the greatest, if not the greatest ever. The stats show that. But I think from the San Francisco perspective, which we were talking about, do they have more to play for? I think absolutely. The 49ers. You know, I'm trying to think of their comparison. Um, you know, I guess I hate as much as it pains me to say is that they're a lot like the Yankees. I, I thought they're, you were going to say they're, Yankees. Uh, like, in the, pops in in the playoffs too, yeah. every year, and I'm not going to compare them to the Cowboys because I think that's different. But, like, you know, they're the there Cowboy, every year. The Cowboys year. are the Dodgers. That's what they are. <laughs> the Cowboys are the yeah, Dodgers. No, but, like, you know, but they're there every year. Huge fan base, huge following, you know. Uh, but they just haven't won in a very long time. See, but the Yankees have never even gotten there either. The, what do you mean? The, nine, the Niners have oh, got since there they've won. in yeah, 2012 yeah. and Well, of course, yes, the Niners lost to the Ravens uh, in the Harbaugh Bowl yeah, and then true. ultimately f- fell to the Chiefs four that's years ago too, in Miami yeah. in Super Bowl 54. Yeah. Um, but in the sense that they're in the playoffs, they're in the NFC Championship, they're a very consistent team, but they can't get over that hump, and I think that that's, that's the reason why they have more to play for because, of course, the Chiefs have gotten over that hump. So Patrick Mahomes has three career playoff losses, and two of them is to the greatest player of all, greatest quarterback of all time. That's or right. Or greatest player of all time. And one is to Joe Burrow, who's not even – he wasn't even in the playoffs this year due to season-ending injury. So it's going to take a lot. It's going to take a lot. It's going to take everything, actually. For yeah. the Niners to beat this Chiefs team because you know the Chiefs, they Patrick Mahomes doesn't really have much more to prove other than that he's a proven winner and maybe that he wants to surpass the Tom Brady as the goat. But because this Chiefs team is more experienced in the playoffs than this Niners team, it's it's going to be it's going to be a ta- it's going to be a task given how stacked the Niners team is. And just imagine what this does for all the narratives surrounding Brock Purdy, where mm-hmm. if he can get a Super Bowl ring over the best quarterback of this generation, just I feel like a lot of the doubters and naysayers, like admittedly myself, are going to just be real quiet after he wins a Super Bowl. And you know what? He's kind of got the nation on his shoulders with the whole edits <laughs> and Taylor Swift. Yeah, we've seen that. All, that's all over my TikTok where people are just asking Brock Purdy to just save yeah. Save us! It was first Lamar Jackson, and now it's Brock Purdy. But well, first it was Josh, Josh Allen, Allen, and then Lamar. It was Josh Allen at one point. Yeah, yeah. but Brock Purdy has—he could silence everybody, and it would be a really incredible story, Mister Irrelevant, to mm-hmm. 
Super Bowl champion as starting quarterback, that would be awesome. That's a documentary just waiting to happen. In his second year, too. Faster than Mahomes. Yeah, and he could have had it last year, too. If Well, Mahomes technically won it in his second year as a starter. Yeah, that. but but Purdy came in, and his, this is Purdy's technically first full year as a starter. And Purdy was yeah. not supposed to be playing That's games right. last year, and then all of a sudden he plays well down the stretch and honestly probably could have gotten to a Super right, Bowl if he didn't last get hurt. year if yeah. that— disaster doesn't happen in that nfc championship game with his injury and Mm -hmm. then everything else so he's just been winning ever since he's gotten into the league and has a chance to cap it off with the super bowl guys i'm really excited for this super bowl but we'll have to decompress for now and that'll wrap up this episode of nfl friday shout out to our producer lauren mondaruli handling things in the back you can catch nfl friday on spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from Sebastian Seabach and Bridge Gotham, I am Brian Raybax. Thank you for listening to this episode and get ready for the Super Bowl. NFL Friday is a production of WFUV Sports. Mm-hmm.